Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Locked On Sound podcast. Joining me, as always, today is my co-host and co-partner, Hunter Trumbull. It is a great day to be on the Locked On Sound podcast, and today, for the first time in our history, we finally have somebody else on the podcast with us, <laughs> Willie, and she goes by Reagan Mills. How's it going? I'm good. How are y'all? Pretty good. Excited to actually finally get to sit down and talk today. Um, we've been talking with Reagan over Instagram and text quite a bit about, you know, some advertising for Locked On Sound and some some new relationships out in the Georgia area. So why don't you go ahead and give us a little background about yourself and kind of how you got into the waterfowl and conservation hunting world altogether? Uh, well, my name is Reagan Mills, and I am 20 years old, and I'm currently a student at Auburn University studying wildlife ecology and management which is pretty much wildlife biology. I want to have a focus in game animals since I have such a interest in the hunting and fishing world. And I pretty much got into hunting from my boyfriend. I do give him the credit because that's just how it was, but I've actually been doing a lot of stuff by myself in the past year. Last year, pretty much every time I went in the woods, I was by myself. So that was um, interesting. But you quite yeah, the learning curve going <laughs> Yes, quite. You know, it's every season's a learning opportunity. I can say I've been hunting for four years, and that really doesn't mean anything because, I mean, I learn something new pretty much every couple weeks, you know, talking to other people, other hunters. In other states, you know, I talk to people on TikTok trying to learn new things and ask them questions about my deer and sending them trail camera pictures like, you think this deer is worth shooting and how old do you think he is? It takes a team. <laughs> I can't yeah, do it all by yeah. myself. I mean, we've been hunting our entire lives here in Michigan and around Michigan, and we still learn stuff every couple hunts that we go out. So you'll be doing that for the rest of your life, I'm sure. Yes, for sure. And I... I have no problem with people giving me advice. Now, if they sit there and tell me you need to do this and this, I'm like, okay, well, I have my own way of hunting just like everybody else does. And the only way you can figure out the way you hunt is to experience it by yourself. And I definitely learned that last year, sitting out there by myself <laughs> a lot. I definitely noticed that too, because I, I used to hunt with my dad all the time, and then I started going by myself, especially archery, deer hunting, and you learn pretty quickly that all the things you thought you knew more or less was my dad telling me to do something or not do something, so there was quite a few deer I spooked or missed or judged wrong ba just based on being by myself. I mean, the very first time I went out deer hunting in the woods by myself was uh, towards the end of rifle season. And I got lost in the woods because I went to a brand new property I've never been to. And it was about 400 acres. And I was like, yeah, I got this. I've hunted for years with my dad. I can do this by myself. Got lost. Flashlight died. Phone died. That was a fun way to get out. That would have probably terrified me. <laughs> oh, it was terrifying I, me too. 
I mean, it doesn't matter how many times I go hunt, I will still be scared in the dark. <laughs> like it just stresses me out walking in in the morning. Now I'll, I'll sit out there until dark and I'll walk out in the dark, but it's just the fact that I've already been sitting there. So it's not as scary as walking in. <laughs> right. The, the 2016 clowns incident is, is when it all began for me. Because <laughs> we, we haunt right off of a lot of highways up here. So it was always kind of freaky to be in the dark and you can hear the cars going by and be like, man, if some weird guy in a weird suit comes walking through here, I'm climbing the tree is faster than anything you've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't you know why it spooks me because I have a high powered rifle, so I don't know <laughs> why I would be scared. <laughs> yeah, you're the one with the gun. Not a whole lot can affect you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you got into the hunting world about four years ago, you said, right? Yes. Um, the funny thing is, is I pledged that I was never going to hunt. I have always loved animals growing up. I didn't see an interest. It didn't bother me that my boyfriend hunted, but I was just like, I don't want to do it. You can do it. That's just where the line, the line draws. But then I just started growing an interest in it. And then before I knew it, I was you know out there in a tree stand trying to learn everything at once because it was just kind of thrown together that I wanted to go out there. So your boyfriend is the one that got you into hunting. D did he have to convince you to go out there with him or you were willing to go out there with him? I was willing to, I, like I said, I didn't want to do it at first, but I mean, after he shot a couple deer and then went duck hunting, I was like, you know, this thing's really interesting. I think it would be, you know, a valuable skill to learn because you never know when you might need to know how to harvest your own food. No, it definitely, definitely is. <laughs> I Now, I'm super interested. You said you changed your majors, correct? Yes. Just this year, I was going to nursing school, or I hadn't gotten into nursing school. I was still doing prereqs, and I just got so burnt out on it. I had done a lot of stuff in high school towards nursing. I worked as a certified nursing assistant, worked in nursing homes and hospitals, and had done all this nursing work before I'd even gotten into college. And then COVID happened. And that was, you know, a rude awakening to the medical field. And you can ask anybody. I worked at a nursing home during COVID. It was, you know, you got to protect the older generation. So it was just so, so strict. And I just got burnt out on it. And like I said, I'd always loved animals growing up. And then getting into hunting and fishing, I was like, wow, I really want to do something where I can work with animals and animals that I, you know, have an interest in, which would be game animals, deer, turkey, other woodland animals, you know, anything that's game related, possum, raccoon. I just, I have a huge interest in that, being a hunter. All right, so your first time you know, when you finally decided to switch majors, was that a pretty hard decision for you or did it come, did it come easily? I mean, did you have to battle with yourself a lot? Cause that's a big change to make, especially when you've been doing all the prereqs and you've worked through COVID and everything like that. It definitely was. And I was really worried about, you know, my parents. Now my parents are very supportive and I'm thankful for that, but it's just one of those things where, you know, you have to build up the courage to say, Hey, 
I don't want to do this anymore. And I've got to go to a new university to do it. But before I told my parents, I actually did so much research on it because I wanted to have all my ducks in a row before I, you know, dropped a huge bomb on them. So I did all this research, figured out what degrees I could get, what universities had them. And it went really smoothly. They kind of picked up on it because back in January, I was actually looking for nursing schools to go to. Like I was about to apply to nursing schools. So I was like almost too late to switch because once you get into nursing school, it's just kind of you already put in that effort. You're in nursing school. Why back out now? No, for sure. For sure. And so um, I guess my main question would be, so you had to work through COVID, obviously. Did you make it all the way through until all the restrictions were off or did COVID play a big part in kind of backing out? How did that go? I will say that COVID played a part, but it wasn't the main part. It wasn't, you know, I don't want to get vaccinated. I don't want to deal with taking care of people in isolation. But it did just make me realize I don't have an interest in the medical field. I thought I wanted to work with people, but I would much rather be outside than stuck in a hospital for the rest of my life, which was my main point. I didn't want to be stuck because once you graduate nursing school, I mean, sure, you can go back to school, but you spent all this time, got your degree and lots of job opportunities for nursing. You can go work anywhere in the country and any type of specialty. But I just really realized that that was not for me whatsoever. No, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I actually graduated with an associate's degree in applied science for cardiac sonography. So I worked at the hospital while COVID was going as well. I actually got COVID and was, uh, had no taste or smell for six months. And I figured that out pretty quickly too, that I thought I wanted to work with people. I thought I wanted to take care of people. And then it quickly dawned on me that that was not for me either. So I, I get where you're coming from. So then you finally made, decided to make the switch and started looking into colleges and did all your research and everything. And you ended up at Auburn, correct? Yes. And I was fortunate to get into a lot of good schools and not, you know, it's typically SCC schools and maybe some smaller schools as you get up further north that have this type of degree. But I applied to Clemson, University of Florida, Mississippi State. University of Tennessee, some smaller colleges up in North Carolina, but I was just trying to have a foundation because what happens if you don't get into this school, where are you going to go? I couldn't, you know, put all my eggs in Auburn and hope for the best. The first school I got into was Clemson, and that was pretty much my second choice because it's not too, too far away from my house. It's probably two and a half hours and it's also by Lake Hartwell, so <laughs> that would have been cool. But then a couple of days later, I got into Auburn, and I was like, I'm definitely going here. I know people who go here. It's not a huge campus, and it's not, you know, in a city. Auburn's pretty, you know, woodsy and not big city like Atlanta or anything, because I definitely don't like the big cities. <laughs> And now you, so you've been at Auburn on campus for a few weeks now, right? Yes, this is my third week and it's been going good. I 
I'm pretty happy down here and I'm definitely happy with my classes because I'm actually taking classes towards something that makes me happy, that I'm interested in, that I have knowledge in just from being a hunter and a, you know, interested in fishing. So what's your wildlife ecology is your major at Auburn. So what's kind of your, what's your schedule list look like? What's your day look like? Are you doing a lot of actual like field research? I know you've talked about some meetings you've had there and stuff like that. So what's your actual day look like there at all? So right now I am still taking some prereqs, but then some of them are pretty much degree based. Like today I went to a class called wildlife conservation, history and law, and it's, exactly what it sounds like it's talking about the conservation in the united states and going you know back in time like today we talked about the market hunting that the united states faced in the 17 and 1800s where you know the carolina parakeet went extinct and how beavers almost went extinct and then we talked about the bison and how we almost killed those to extinction. So it was, you know, interesting to me, just talking about hunting. But then the basis of these classes are still, hunting is the best conservation there is in North America. And that makes me feel good about myself because there's so many people who are against hunting and they don't realize what an impact it means in saving animals. Being in classes about wildlife ecology and conservation or and everything, do you find yourself with a lot of hunters? Like, is that a pretty, do hunters dominate that degree field? Or is it a lot of people who disagree with hunting and don't want to see animals harvested and stuff like that? I think that it's kind of a mix. Now, not that, you know, I, do, I pay attention to people, not that I'm judging or anything. I mean, I am, get, you know, looking around the classroom and stuff. I haven't really talked to anybody. No one's really raised their hand and been like, well, hunting is bad. But there are people in this major who I would say that they're really on the saving animal side. But, I mean, it's college. You're, they have their opinions. I have mine. I'm not going to convince somebody to change their opinion. But I will teach them about it if they wanted to know because I think that it's important that people don't just see hunters as murderers it's really a hunting for food to keep the populations down which is really important because I don't know about y'all but I've had my fair share of hitting deer there are a lot of deer down here yeah, yeah, we feel that there's a lot of deer up here. As well. <laughs> um, so being on Auburn, I guess there's a lot of different st stigmas going around on a D1 college campus. Do you guys see or hear anything down there on campus about hunting or being more um, anti-hunting or anything like that? I think that Auburn, there are a lot of avid hunters and especially since there is a, my college, my degree is in the College of Forestry and Wildlife. So that just opens that degree to, you know, there's foresters, there's wildlife ecology, wildlife management. I do think that there are a lot of hunters and there are a lot of clubs that are geared towards the outdoorsy people. 
which I think is important because one of my past colleges, it was was Kennesaw State University, 15 minutes north of Atlanta. So it was very not outdoorsy or, or anything. <laughs> no, I, I guess that's kind of nice because up here, I mean, all the way up in Michigan, you got like Michigan or Michigan State University or something like that. It's a lot more of a different feel, I think, on campus here than compared down there. I don't, it's not nearly as wild, wildlife based or hunting or something like that. It's a lot more of a fight up here, I would say, to try to get either your point across or even just have a discussion. Right. And colleges are always going to be like that. I'm sure there's people in my class that are completely against it. But like I said, I can't change their mind. I'm just here to get my degree and have my opinions and they have theirs and what they choose to do with their degree, whether it's, you know, fighting, hunting or whatever, that's their decision. And I guess I can't do anything about it. So how long will this ecology degree take you? How many years do you have to be there for? Um, I think because I'm te- I'm technically a junior. So I have I have technically two years of college under my belt. I am listed as a junior, but I was still missing some of those prereq classes like basic biology because my previous university required me to take chemistry for nursing. I didn't get the opportunity to take biology. So I'm taking, you know, a freshman course biology, but I think I'm looking at two years and maybe a semester. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe I can take some classes over the summer to just get me ahead. Cause I don't mind summer classes. I'd rather, you know, work hard and get my degree so I can, you know, get a job. And then once you're done with this degree, where does an, where does this wildlife ecology degree kind of take you? Because I'm trying to get it in my head. Like wh- where exactly would be your place of business? Who would you work for? You work for the state or um, DNR, something like that? So we, funny you asked that. We had a professor come and talk to us yesterday about wildlife biology. And it is a way bigger spectrum than I would imagine. Because, you know, I mean, where's a wildlife biologist going to work, you know? There's more job opportunities in nursing, but I didn't realize that there were so many job opportunities in wildlife biology. You can work federally, state, um, privately owned companies like timber companies will have wildlife biologists on hand, you know, because you're cutting trees down of thousands of acres. You might need to check on populations and all that. I personally want to either work for the state the dnr or if a job opportunity arose that was federally like ducks unlimited they hire wildlife biologists i would probably look into doing that but just since i want to have a focus in really just specifically deer i'm just so interested in deer especially after hunting and watching them in the woods on my own time, I want to have a job that lets me have that opportunity since I love it so much. I know the Alabama DNR is always hiring wildlife biologists. I'm sure the Georgia DNR is always hiring them, which keep my options open since I'm kind of in the middle of the two states. I live, my residence is in Georgia, but coming to school in Alabama. 
Right, and I'm sure that poses some interesting job opportunities for you coming out of school too. But um, you mentioned your the professors have been talking in some Ducks Unlimited meetings and stuff. So I think you said over text that you had met with a Ducks Unlimited meeting at Auburn University, right? Yes, we had our first meeting last week. It was just really an interest meeting, but I have a high interest in Ducks Unlimited, not just because of the you know, it's for hunters. They do a lot with conservation of the wetlands, and the wetlands don't just hold migratory birds. You have to think it's an entire ecosystem, so the deer will live in wetlands. You'll have the reptiles, amphibians, and the birds. So I think that would be a good opportunity to get involved with that for future jobs, and just to have it on a resume, because they have a pretty high reputation I last year they got like 11th in the country and they rose uh they gained $54,000 from donations and that just goes strictly to Ducks Unlimited so they're they're ranked like 11th I think which is really good yeah, that's a really high donation number to have, especially since a lot of those dollars actually go towards conservation and everything like that, making sure they have enough workers to do the research like you'll be doing once you're out of college. Right. And then there's a couple other clubs, which, you know, I'm in college, I have to get involved, but if I'm going to get involved down here, I wanted to do it with stuff that I enjoy. I don't just want to join some random club to say I'm a part of it. I also joined this club called Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And they were they do a lot with public lands around here, you know, with picking up trash and just, you know, taking care of the public lands that we have access to, to our free will pretty much. So here in Michigan, it's kind of a weird split when it comes to public land. Cause like, if you look at the map of Michigan, our entire upper half of the state is pretty much green on the map with public land. And we do have a lot of acres of public land. So what's your guys' situation look like down there? Do you mainly do a lot of public hunting or is it is it a lot of private land instead? I personally private land hunt. I have access to 10 acres, which is not a lot, but we can get into that when we start talking about hunting. But there is lots of public land down here, lots of WMAs. I know people who public land hunt for both deer and ducks. I mean, they kill things. I think that it takes a little more skill to hunt public land because you're battling with, you know, a hundred other people and you don't have the same resources. You can't leave a tree stand hanging up and you risk, you can put cameras out, but you risk them having, you know, getting stolen, which would make me really mad. <laughs> well, expensive as they are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so do you guys see a lot of land leases down there? Because that's another big issue we have here is if you want to hunt for a weekend on somebody's property, let's say you're coming in from out of town and you want to lease some land for a weekend, you're going to be paying four or $500 a gun. So do you guys run into that a lot, even though you have a lot of that public and private mix there? Um, I know we have leases and I talked to somebody about just getting information on a lease down here. And we do it more of like by season. So you can get into a lease 
for the season and it's like, you know, a thousand dollars to join, but then sometimes I don't really feel like it's worth it depending on how many people are in it and the price, because, you know, it could be a hundred acres, but they might let 50 people hunt it. So. So you guys are so tight on leases down there that you've seen people pay a thousand dollars to share a lease with other people for a season. Oh, for sure. Um, I know lots of people who <sighs> talked to one of the guys of the clubs the other day, and he said his lease is $1,500 somewhere down here. And it's like 600 acres, but there's like 50 people. But when you think about it, that's a lot of hunters to hunt 600 acres. That's that's just like hunting public land to us now. I was going to say. say the, the field, right. I mean, I don't really see a difference in it. Yeah, that basically is public land you're just paying out, you know, out of your pocket for way too much money. I guess we shouldn't be complaining up here for a couple hundred bucks for a weekend. I was going to say, there, there's about a thousand acres across from me that a guy from Detroit leases for um, archery, but he get he gets it for rifle too, but he only comes down for for archery. Um, but he, I think he leases it for $1,800, but he gets – he gets it all. That's that. It's just him by himself. So, yeah. So I, at some point, I will say I hunt public land, but right now I just have a safe place for me to hunt. That I have permission to do whatever I want. Now, you might think that ten acres isn't that much, and it's not. Ten acres is not a lot of land, but I do have a lot of deer. I have deer to choose from. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity that I get to hunt there from this landowner. I mean, hey, 10 acres is more than enough because I spent most of my life hunting a 16-acre property, and that's where I've taken any of the deer worth talking about off of. So all you need is a few acres to get it done. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> the deer move. I yeah, deer. had deer on camera for one night, and I never saw them again. So you never know what we'll, we'll walk through. So what are some of your, you, you know, you've hunted for a past, I guess, let me start with this. So you've been hunting for four years. How long did it take you to get your first deer? Um, pretty much over a year. I, deciding to hunt was just kind of last minute. I was just, hey, let's give it a try. And my boyfriend had a 6.5 Creedmoor, which is, you know, a lower powered rifle. I was still in my phase of timid around guns. I was scared of the kick and all that. But I actually shot a deer my first season and I did not find him. I was heartbroken. I pleaded to never hunt again. And it took me pretty much about a week to get over it because I thought, I felt so bad. I had injured an animal and we tracked, we tried so hard to find him, but it just didn't happen. And, you know, it happens to everybody, or at least that's what they, they tell me. If someone's never lost a deer, then I'm proud of you. Good job. But it happens and can't do anything about it except for say sorry and move on and learn from your mistakes. 
No, I feel it because I, I my, the biggest buck I've ever shot actually was quartering away from me, and I and I shot him and I tracked him for oh probably six hours. Six hours. I never I never found him again. I never caught back up to him. Um, it just so happens that later on that year in late season, I ended up getting a, another buck that was worth worth the wait for. But it was a pretty heartfelt night of not feeling so hot about myself. That's for sure. I lost a eight point last year opening day of archery and never found him. So it happens to everyone at some point. That's definitely true. Yeah. So I just had to move on, learn from my mistakes. And it was towards the end of the season. So I just, you know, I could have put in all the effort to try again, but you know, I had actually gone out there. I pulled the trigger, I experienced it and we were just going to, call it an end and I was going to, you know, practice all summer, find a gun that I was actually comfortable with and then, you know, see what happens the next season. So that was your, what year of hunting was that for you? That was your second year, did you say? That was my first year. Now, honestly, I can't even really figure out what um, actual years these are, maybe 2019, something like that but it, it all kind of merges together now that it's been a couple of years. Can't really keep up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've talked about kind of your failed hunts a little bit and you've had a couple interesting ones too, right? Pretty much to me, every hunt is interesting. I mean, something different happens every time I, we were hunting at my boyfriend's grandmother's house and the next season we had plans to hunt there again and it just really wasn't working out I there was one morning that a group of does came in and I was 100% ready but it was past shooting light it was legal but it was still kind of dark and it was also a 100 yard shot so I made the decision to let her pass on because all I could think about was losing another deer that was what was going through my mind and then we kept trying a couple more sits and it just wasn't working out. The deer, I mean, the deer is going to do what the deer want to do. Can't, you know, rely on them to be there at this time on this day. So I did what most people do at this age and got on social media and made a Facebook post in this deer group I'm in that covers kind of the West Georgia area where I live. And I just made a post and I was like, hey, I'm a young hunter. I just really want to shoot my first deer. I don't care what rules you have. I will shoot a doe. I will shoot a buck. Just will you help me get my first deer under my belt? Because that's really all I wanted, just to get that first deer. And I had some people reach out. And I had this one guy who reached out who let me shoot my first deer. And I'm forever thankful for him letting me get on his land and shoot my deer. I'm so thankful for him and hopefully he will listen to this because he was also pretty much a mentor to me. He is probably one of the best hunters I know. He's been hunting his entire life. He probably knows everything there is to know about hunting. So I finally shot my first deer and it was a button buck. And you know what? People can laugh all they want. I was so excited to shoot that deer and so thankful 
finally shoot him. And I don't know about you all, but I sit there and thank my deer. I say, thank you for, you know, letting me have this opportunity, letting me harvest this meat. So I had a big thanks to the button buck. And then finally, you know, shot my first deer, got it under my belt, and I was so happy. Yeah, that's a really interesting first year story. It's really cool that 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 shows kind of the Georgia hospitality there and somebody just letting you come out and letting you get your first harvested deer and seeing what it was really all about. And I'm sure that helped a lot when it came to, you know, getting over that lost deer situation you had and overcoming that and realizing that, you know, you can, you can get that fatal shot to get a successful harvest. Oh, for sure. And then a couple months, well, that was in December. So at the end of January, my dad has a friend who lives in East Alabama who lives on like over a hundred acres. You know, he figures out that I started getting into hunting and invited us out to hunt. And I actually harvested my biggest buck there. So that was awesome. Now give us a little bit of backstory on maybe uh, how that hunt went down. Um, it was an amazing hunt. And actually that morning we were, it was definitely a different experience of hunting. I, I hunt over corn. People are against that, but just a little heads up, just because there's corn there does not mean a deer is going to come. I vouch for that on multiple, multiple hunts. But just because there's corn, it does not mean a deer is going to come. But that hunt was pretty much open farmland in a shooting house. So, I mean, if the deer wanted to walk out into the middle of the pasture, they did. And I actually shot at a doe at way over 100 yards. Completely missed her. And I know I completely missed her because we got it on video. So, of course, you know, I freaked out when she didn't drop. But after realizing I didn't hit her, it really didn't matter. And that was the end of the morning hunt. Well, then we went back out that night and it's actually a funny story. I was sitting in the box blind with my boyfriend, but he told me that I had my opportunity to shoot one that morning, that if one comes out, he's getting first shot. Well, I said, you know what? I'm going to a different blind. So I kicked myself out of the blind. Well, 30 minutes later, he's getting a phone call that I just dropped a buck. So, you know, karma. Well, that's kind of nice. You got to one-up him a little bit. <laughs> right. And I have shot the biggest buck out of the two of us. <laughs> but that was awesome because it was, you know, he just walked out. And it was, quote-unquote, during the rut, but he was not chasing a doe. He just walked out. And he is not the biggest buck. He's kind of abnormal. He's very tall. And he was definitely a fighter. He had multiple holes in his skull from obviously other antlers penetrating it. And you can actually see the chips on the bone in my Euro mount. So, you know, a fighter of a deer. But he dropped in his tracks at about 50 yards with the 270 win and dropping him made me very happy because you know seeing a deer run is stressful and I was lucky enough for a 100% ethical shot that was 
you know, in a split second, he was down. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to hear about the holes in the antlers and everything like that. That's we don't usually see that much aggression down here. I don't know if we just have more. We do have a lot of a lot of corn here in Michigan, so I don't know if it's just they don't have to fight over food sources as much or stuff like that. We want to take a minute here to thank Locked On Sounds' newest sponsor and partner. Lit Beard Company is Wisconsin-based, veteran-owned beard business helping razor haters look good while doing good. Not only is Lit the solution for a man looking to eliminate beard itch, unslightly beard dandruff, and all the nonsense of growing a baller beard, but it'll get her closer than ever by getting rid of that rough feeling that keeps her away. As a veteran-owned business, it is important to help veterans and their families, so Lit donates $1 from every single sale to Project Welcome Home Troops. And now, if you use code word CALL, that's C-A-L-L, at checkout, you'll save 10% on all Lit Beard Company products. So give litbeardco.com and support a pro-Second Amendment, pro-freedom, veteran-owned business some of your support. Again, that's L-I-T-B-E-A-R-D-C-O.com. Support them and show your support for our veterans and all of the local small businesses across the country. Thank you guys for listening, and let's get back to our podcast. So with the aggression you guys are seeing from deer down there, were the holes in the skull visible before you actually started the year amount? Like, did you see them through the skin or were they just kind of scratches and holes in the actual skull itself? Um, yes, one of them was very noticeable. It was bloody and pussy, like it had started to get infected. And then there was another one that was just there, but it was very noticeable. And I can only imagine that it would have been from another buck I don't know how he would have had such a hard hit from something else I mean it wasn't like it was a a gunshot or anything yeah that's really different we don't get to see that kind of aggression down here I mean I've seen fawns fighting with each other but I've never actually seen two two bucks interlocking now I know people that have seen it obviously but I've never gotten to see it myself and it's not as common up here as it is down there with I'm guessing because of a more limited food source we're in an area with a lot of corn so that would be my guess i'm sure that food source does play a role but i think that during the rut also i watched some deer this past season go at it they actually didn't lock antlers but they were um snort wheezing that weird little noise they make and making so many like what's the term moving all the leaves out of the way and peeing on it the term just slipped my um mind but they were definitely showing aggression and it was definitely during the rut so they were definitely going and marking their territory and just pretty much tearing up the woods with their antlers and hoofs now, do you guys, you mentioned earlier about hunting over corn. That's something we don't get to experience here in Michigan because of uh, chronic wasting disease. So do you guys see any debate about hunting over corn there? Is it just more of a, you know, peer-to-peer conversation when you guys are talking about hunting over corn? Um, I have really just seen peer-to-peer conversation. I have seen some arguments over Facebook and stuff, but as far as it being a statewide thing, I don't see any issue with it. We 
Luckily, Georgia does not have any CWD. There's no zones. As of now, there's been not a single deer that's been tested positive. And probably the closest area, remotely closest area to me, would be North Alabama. There's a couple zones up there, but we still, you know, practice. Like when we bring deer over from the state line, they have to be, they can't have any soft tissue and have to be quartered up and everything. So do you foresee Georgia changing their laws on that? If uh, the, from the Northern Alabama zones ever end up touching into Georgia, do you think they'll end up changing that law at all anytime soon? If it came down to that, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. But as of now, I don't really think that they would change it unless they had a very, very good reason to. Because I don't, I don't foresee it as being unethical. Because like I said earlier, just because there's corn there, just because there's mineral, just because there's apple-flavored peanuts and stuff, does not mean that a deer is going to come. The deer are going to do what the deer want to do. Yeah, and that's definitely true. Can you guys use automatic feeders and stuff down there? Because we used to be able to use those here before they got rid of baiting. Can you guys use like the solar-powered automatic feeders that drop them during certain times of the day and stuff like that? Yes, we can. As far as I know now, I mean, there might be something I'm missing, but as far as I know, we can feed however we want. I don't have my deer on a feeder. I just make the hike back there with corn and just deal with it because it's not a ridiculous walk and feeders are also really expensive. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Now we have a lot of forests up here. So most of our hunting comes off of like cornfield edges, but mostly wood woodland hunting. Um, I've actually never been to Alabama or Georgia, so I don't really know what it's like down there, but do you guys hunt a lot of uh, just in open fields, like uh, kind of plain hunting or is it more in the, in the woods or how do you guys do that? Um, I think it's a combination of both, at least where I'm from. I know that South Georgia is nothing but farmland. So I'm sure that people in South Georgia do a lot of just field hunting. I hunt in the middle of the woods. I kind of like it better. I'm kind of hidden. And I mean, I've never shot a deer in Georgia in a field. The buck I shot in Alabama was in a field and that was still a cool experience, you know, the satisfaction of there not being corn there. But I've also had deer come in where there's not been corn because it's hard to keep up with putting out corn, especially when you have about 20 raccoons out there. So sometimes I was walking out there and there was no corn and I would still have deer come in. I mean. Now, do you do a lot of your hunting? I know you said you were in a box blind for your, uh, when you left to go one up your boyfriend, do you do any hunting out of tree stands and stuff like that? Or just on the ground for the most part? I have hunted from a tree stand at my boyfriend's grandparents. We hunted from a tree stand, but at my hunting land right now, I hunt out of a lean to that's homemade and sit in a blue lawn chair and it gets the job done. I'm protected from the rain. I'm protected from the wind. 
and there's nothing in front of me that blocks really any view. The landowner built it and he is shot. I can't tell you how many deer out of it. So it gets the job done. So um, I'm assuming you're mo you shoot, you're shooting mostly rifle or shotgun. Do you do any archery hunting down there or is that not quite into your forte yet? Um, I would like for it to be in my forte. I do have a bow, a nice bow that my buddy gave me back in January, got brand new strings on it. I love shooting the bow. It gave me something to do at my house since I live in the city limits and not on land. So I can't just go out there and shoot whenever, but I'm not really ready to bow hunt. Maybe if there was a deer five yards in front of me, I could shoot it, but I don't think I'm ready and I'm not going to put myself in that situation where I injure another deer or just completely miss when there's nothing wrong with shooting rifles. No, I completely understand for sure. That pretty much wraps up. I think everything we have to ask about deer hunting, I believe you finally got into duck hunting in the later half of your hunting career, right? I did. And duck hunting is a lot of fun. Um, where I live in Georgia and also in Alabama, we do not have the best flyway of ducks. Now, I do understand that if you put in so much effort, you can you can shoot ducks. I personally just don't have the time to go scout all summer and before duck season to go find some woodies and maybe some mallards and occasional geese. So it's just, I wish I had a good swamp to go to, but I don't. So it's just kind of, if somebody has a place we might go, I think this year we're going to try and hunt from a boat up in somewhat North Alabama on a lake. We're going to give that a try and maybe get the job done. Who knows? So what are some things, you know, you've done both styles of hunting and Actually, not a lot of people hunt both when they hunt. You know, if they're a big deer hunter, they usually don't like duck hunters and vice versa. I know I was that way for most of my life. But um, what differences have you found between duck hunting and deer hunting, whether it's, you know, the style of hunting or who you're hunting with or kind of the actual demeanor of the hunt itself? So people always tell me that deer hunting is boring. And my argument is always, it's not boring. You just don't have the correct time, like type of patience. Yes, it gets boring, but I like sitting in the woods by myself. It's entertaining to me. It's peaceful. Duck hunting is, you know, exhilarating. Ducks flying in, shells going everywhere. You don't really have to be quiet. Kind of noisy. But, I mean, they're shooting two different types of animals. And I personally am not the best with the shotgun. Now, I can shoot it and hit stuff. I'm just way better target shooting with rifles and stuff. Gotcha. So, you've done a lot more deer hunting. And you'd say that even though duck hunting is a little more exhilarating, that you like deer hunting more, correct? Yes. And I haven't had all the correct experience with duck hunting. 
but I don't really see my opinion changing just because deer hunting means so much to me. I really just pay so much respect to the animal itself because deer are really what made me realize I needed to change my major and do something that I love. So I pay a lot of respect to white-tailed deer. <laughs> no, that's totally understandable. I mean, you're t Willie, Willie was a big deer hunter and I'm, I'm the other way around. I'm, I'm not as much of a deer hunter. I'm more on the waterfall side of things. That's more of my passion. Um, but so, I mean, we understand how it, how it goes just because we'll, we'll argue with each other in the blind all the time, whether deer hunting's boring or not. Cause I'm a person who can't shut up. I like to move. Um, I like the, the, the noise constantly. So duck hunting gets me kind of ramped up and then Willie likes to just go sit all day in a tree stand and hunt deer. So I, we have two different, very varying styles of, of what we like to do hunting. I love the cold November mornings, walking out in the dark and staying until dark, until, you know, until it's dark in the evening and watching the snowfall all day here in Michigan. And it, it's some of my favorite stuff. And don't get me wrong, duck hunting is a totally different game. And I would say duck hunting is more fun because you can do more during it. But there is a special place in my heart for deer hunting. That's for sure. I totally agree. And I'm, I'm with you. I... I'm okay with sitting there in the peace and quiet. I actually like hunting by myself now because when somebody's with me and they, I don't know, they could sniffle or move and their jacket scratches and it just totally annoys me because when I'm by myself, I don't move. I'm in there to hunt and get the job done. I will sit in the same position in a chair the entire time. I won't move. And the last thing, unless you have anything else about duck hunting or deer hunting that I want to touch on, is that you're quite the angler as well, correct? Um, something like that. I thoroughly enjoy bass fishing. I'm actually joining Auburn bass fishing team. I'm not going to be highly involved to where I'm, you know, gone every weekend. I can't risk doing bad in school my first semester, but I am going to fish some of the smaller tournaments and that are more local as opposed to driving all the way to Arkansas. So you're, what's your favorite species to fish then? Are you, a, are you just kind of a large and smallmouth bass kind of person or what do you like to do? Because I'm sure you guys get into totally different species and we get the opportunity to up here in Michigan. Um, we don't have a lot of species to choose from in our lakes around here and we're so far down south that we don't have smallmouth. The closest smallmouth lake to me is four and a half hours away. Wow. So it's mostly largemouth and spotted bass. Those are our targets when we fish. If we hook a catfish or something, I mean, it happens. I feel like we're, we're a majority, like, if you're asking me walleye state. Yeah, we do a lot of walleye. It's a lot here. of walleye fishing here. Walleye bass for sure, but I think pretty much everyone in the United States has largemouth bass. So yeah, walleye, walleye, and then and then we do a bunch of ice fishing up here. So crappie, crappie, walleye. I mean, that's mostly what you're targeting. Panfish. You've probably never been ice fishing, have you? I have not. I I have fished up north. I have family in Canada, actually, so I have experience, you know, catching pike and all that. But ice fishing would definitely be a lot of fun. Hopefully I get to experience that at some point. 
Yeah, it's definitely a different kind of hunting. That's more a hunter's forte than my forte. Every time I go, something seems to go wrong and I drop my <laughs> phone in the lake or something like that. But it's definitely a struggle for me. Now, yeah. you say you have family in Canada. I, I, think, I, I think you for sure <laughs> need to go shoot some big honkers up in Canada and get your, get your full experience on the waterfowl side of things. That sounds like a perfect place to start. I think that would be amazing, and I have connections up there to hunt, but I am not vaccinated. I know that might offend some people. I think that if <laughs> need to get it, because I'm young and healthy. I am young and healthy. That's all I will say. So I cannot get into Canada right now. I'm not vaccinated, but I do have connections up there with a bear hunter and bird hunter and trapping. So might have to make some decisions soon to get the whole experience because why would I turn down a free bear hunt? I mean, stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's something you can't pass up. <laughs> right. So hopefully sometime soon they'll drop the restrictions. If not, I guess I would rather get vaccinated to go have a hunting experience and just to get it for the hell of it. I mean... All right, so to wrap it up, I have one more question for you, and then I think Hunter's got one more question for you. But I don't know if you're huge into sports or not, but I have to ask, being from Georgia and now going to Auburn, if you're big into sports, who are you rooting for most of the time? Because that's got to be quite a predicament. Okay, so I'm definitely a dog fan, obviously. And look, I tried to go to the University of Georgia. They had already closed their transfer application, so I tried. I'm a dog fan. I never went to school there, but I'm a Georgia fan. And we won the national championship last year, so, you know, say what you want to say. We did good last year. But now that I'm at Auburn, I guess I need to root for Auburn when they play Georgia. I'm probably going to root for Georgia, but all the other games, I'll probably root for Auburn. But now I'm, I'm it, really, it's just a house divided kind of thing. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that you're a Georgia fan because you're talking to a huge Oregon Ducks fan. So I got to know, what's, what's the score going to be this weekend? They open up with each other. I got to know what your opinion is on it. I mean – I like to watch football, but I haven't been keeping up with, like, the summer plays or anything. So I really don't know, like, if they're saying Georgia's going to be good or not. But I will I will sit there and watch the whole game and get mad when something happens. <laughs> so, honestly, I have, I have no idea. Um, I'm hoping Georgia does good. I'm hoping it's not a close game. I'm sorry. I hope Georgia, you know, starts their season off good, destroys them. But I get <laughs> – Guess we'll see Saturday. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on today. Uh, I think we just sent out a package of some calls and apparel and stuff like that for you yesterday. So you'd be expecting that soon. And uh, I hope we get to have you on again soon. And hopefully within the next year or two, you get to talk about a sweet Canadian bear hunt that you get to deal. Yes, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I cannot wait for the goodie box. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you to get it. You'll have to you'll have to text us and tell it how it is. Um, there's a pretty sweet couple different custom calls in there that are gonna be pretty cool. 
Sweet. And I'll yeah, make sure to make an stuff. unboxing video for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you and have a great night. Thank you. Y'all too.